All right, Mark chapter 10. If you found that, why don't you stand? We'll read together God's Word. <clears throat> Mark chapter 10, I'll call your attention to verse 46. It's a story that you know probably of the blind man Bartimaeus. Jesus healing the blind man along the road. We'll start in verse 46, read down to verse 52. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Join me there, verse 46. <clears throat> they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and he said, call him. They called the blind man and said to him, Take heart, get up. He's calling you. Throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Join me as we pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus by the Spirit on the authority of your word that you would take away blindness. I pray you would open eyes that have been blinded by lust, blinded by greed, blinded by materialism, blinded by this world, blinded by addiction, blinded by hate. God, I pray you would open eyes that have been blinded. God, please do today what you did for Bartimaeus then. And help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Most of us here are familiar with the parable of the Good Samaritan. You don't even have to go to church to have heard of a Good Samaritan. It's worked its way even into our language. Somebody does something nice, they are a Good Samaritan. It comes from Luke chapter 10, and Jesus tells the story. It's a parable. He is using a story to illustrate a truth. And he sets the story up like this. He says that when a man has gone, went down from Jerusalem, and he worked his way down the road, Jericho. As he's traveling on the Jericho road, he falls among thieves. They beat him. They steal from him. And they throw him on the side of the road. Later on that day, a priest walking down the Jericho road, coming from Jericho and going up to Jerusalem. And on his way, he sees that this man has been beaten and robbed and, and is on the other side of the road. And he avoids that man, Jesus says. A priest did that. Then he calls our attention to a, a Levite, someone that knows the law. Levite comes from Leviticus. You, you, you hear the sound of that. Someone that is religious is walking like the priest did up the road from Jericho up to Jerusalem and gets to the point where the, 
man that is beaten is thrown into the ditch and he sees him and he goes on the other side of the road and avoids him. It's not till the mixed race Samaritan shows up. This is Jesus telling this. It's not until that Samaritan comes that the man is cared for. The Samaritan helps him with his wounds and gets him to a place to stay and pays for everything. And Jesus says that right there is a good neighbor. That parable that Jesus told is set on the Jericho Road. It's the very road that Jesus right here in chapter 10 is traveling. It's the very place that Jesus himself will encounter a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And beyond the kindness of Jesus and the healing of the blind man, this beautiful encounter in Mark chapter 10 becomes a living parable of our wretched condition. A living parable of our wretched condition and the saving work of Jesus Christ. It's appropriate today that we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Chapter 10 will close with this miracle. It's the last one Jesus will perform. Chapter 11 opens up and Jesus is into Jerusalem. He'll go to Jerusalem and there he will die on a cross in the place of sinners like me and you. That's how we're saved. And God will raise him from the dead to show victory. And, and the promise of the gospel is if you will trust that Jesus did that for you, you'll be saved. When we take the Lord's Supper today, that's what we are remembering is what Christ has done for us. After this episode on the Jericho Road, Jesus will go there and pay the price for us. And this picture here with blind Bartimaeus this healing shows us a picture of God's saving work in Christ. It reminds us, and here's the theme of the story, and theme of the sermon. When Christ changes you, you follow Him. Or you can take the logic and work backwards if you like. If you are not following Him, then He never changed you. Let's do what we oftentimes do. Let's go to the story. We'll walk through it fairly quickly, point out a couple of things, then come back, use it as a parable, and hopefully make some points about how God saves us in Jesus. Join me there, verse 46. They came to Jericho. You know that name Jericho. It's where the walls came tumbling down in Jericho. It's not the same city. That city, the ancient city of Jericho, was probably in ruins in the time of Jesus. A man named Herod has built another Jericho. It's a fresh, brand-new city. They came to Jericho, and they're leaving Jericho, heading up to Jerusalem. It's about 15, 16 miles up to Jerusalem, a day and a half journey. It's, it's a climb. You're going up to Jerusalem. They're headed there as they've been for some time. It's a winding road up to Jerusalem from Jericho. It's a dusty road, and there on the side of the road, in verse 46, we meet a man named Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is destitute. He has no money. Not only does he not have money, he can't see. It's interesting, in verse 46, we find out there's some redundancy. We hear his name, Bartimaeus, and then Mark explains that he's the son of Timaeus, 
Well, it's interesting because the name Bartimaeus means son of Timaeus. So that makes us believe that Mark is writing this for a Roman, a Greek-speaking audience that would not understand Aramaic or Hebrew. So he has to explain some things. That Jesus meets a man named Bartimaeus. He's a blind beggar on the side of the road. And verse 47, he begins to cry out. When he hears that it's Jesus, he cries out for mercy. That's what verse 47 is. There's the, there's the, gospel, there's the gospel nail right there. Mercy. Mercy is, a, is an understanding. I'm suffering. I need help. Mercy. The people around Jesus, in verse 48, are rebuking this man. I don't know why they're doing that. They're, they're headed up to Jerusalem for the Passover. Everybody doesn't know Jesus is going to be crucified. We have the, the benefit of hindsight. They're going up to Jerusalem for a religious festival. You have the disciples. You have Jesus. You have other people that are around. Why are they telling this man to be quiet? Maybe they're embarrassed. You've been at the light before and seen someone begging for money and you don't look over there. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on. Verse 48, they say, be quiet, but he will not be put off. In verse 48, he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy. His cry for mercy hits the ears of Jesus. Verse 49, Jesus does what nobody else will do. He stops. Call that man over here, Jesus says, verse 49. It's interesting that the crowd changes their tune. In verse 47, they're rebuking the man. Verse 49, they're saying, hey, cheer up. He's calling you. Be careful when you follow along with the crowd. They change so often. Get up. Call, they call the man to him. The, the man runs to Jesus. The text says he throws off his cloak. That cloak would be used for laying out and gathering on. They'd wrap up in it at night when the desert got cold. Text says he threw it down and he sprang up and he ran to Jesus. And Jesus said to him the same thing he said to James and John back there. Remember that when James and John said, hey, we want you to give us whatever we want. And Jesus said to them, what is it you want me to do for you? It's the exact same wording. James and John wanted to be rulers. All this man wants is the ability to see. Rabbi, really, really that in rabbi should be Rabboni. It's, it's master. I just want to see. Let me recover my sight. Verse 52, faith comes in now. He's asked for mercy. He has faith. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your, without us even seeing the miracle, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Okay, so there's the story. It is a, a real incident that happened that we are going to use as a parable to show us the marks of conversion and discipleship. You'll catch, you'll catch on as we go along. Here's the first one, number one. What do you need? Number one, you need to get a true handle, a true handle on your need for Jesus. So what we learn from Bartimaeus here in verse 46 what do we know about him? He is blind. He's a beggar. His name is Bartimaeus. He's blind. He can't see. He's dependent on somebody to get him to water, to bring him some food. There's no color in his life. There's not even any black and white in his life. He's lost and desperate and aimless and unsafe and vulnerable. Sleeps under a cloak at night. Sits on the road begging during the day. 
He can't distinguish what is right or wrong. He's blind. One of the great hymns we like to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was what? Blind. He's a blind man. Not only that, he's a beggar. It means he's filthy. I mean, even in our day and time, someone on the road there begging, you know that they hadn't had a bath in a while. He's destitute. He's an embarrassment. I don't know if he has any family or not. He's an embarrassment to the family. He's unwanted. It feels as if he is unloved by God. He, he can't contribute. He can't be useful. He can't produce. Lifeless, hopeless, joyless. He's a blind beggar. What else do we know? We know that his name is Bartimaeus. Now look, you, if you've read the New Testament, hundreds of them. Out of all the myriad of people that Jesus touches, that Jesus heals, Jesus has cast out demons... Out of all the people in his ministry that he ministered to before he goes to Jerusalem, this is the last miracle. Out of all of them, we never know anybody's name. This is the first time. Somebody's name. We're told we get the name. Most people that have studied this passage, scholars would agree that there's a reason Mark did that, that probably this man, because he followed Jesus to Jerusalem, this man would follow, see Jesus crucified, dead, and buried, put his faith in Jesus, and become part of the church. That's why his name is preserved. It's good for us to remember that. When the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, it's made up of all kinds of pagans, they get saved, <clears throat> they come into the church. This is what Paul said to them, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, 10, and 11. Paul said... <clears throat> Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolatrous, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, or drunkards, or revilers, or swindlers. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But you were washed. You're sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Bartimaeus knew he needed Jesus. Do you know your condition and your need for Jesus? Get a good handle on your need for Jesus. Let me give you something else to consider. Number two. Go ahead and confess that need to Jesus. Confess your need to Jesus. There it is in verse 47. There's plenty you can unpack if you'd like in verse 47. But I want to read it very quickly and call your attention to that one word, mercy. Verse 47, let me read it. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Now, we could pay some attention to, to Mark telling us it is Jesus of Nazareth and the manhood, the perfect manhood of Jesus, that Jesus comes as the perfect man and fulfills all of the law for us in our place. You could look at that. Or you could go over and look at the cry of the blind man that says, Son of David, the messianic flavor of that. It, it's, it's obviously a messianic name. They knew something about Jesus. But really what I want you to drill down into is the word mercy. What is he asking for? Mercy. If you're a Christian, you've been one for a while, you know that mercy and grace are two sides to one coin. That is the love of God. How does God show his love to us? It is mercy and grace. Grace is us experiencing the good kindness of God, the kind things that he does for us, even though we don't deserve it. He just, just pours them out on us. Mercy has a different feel. <clears throat> mercy is God seeing us in our wretched condition, knowing that we deserve punishment, we deserve to go to hell, you deserve the wrath of God, and God not pouring that out. Not punishing us the way our sin deserves. You know what mercy is? Mercy is the cry of a suffering soul, hoping for some relief. Here's the cry of mercy. Have you asked God for that? Have you called out to our good God who is merciful to sinners? Have you embraced his mercy? So see your need, call for mercy. I'm going to give you a third. <clears throat> Number three, expect discouragement and fight through it. Expect it. Expect that if you, that if you sense the since God's call in your life, convicted of your sin, you look to Jesus, don't think that it's going to be easy. It's going to be extremely hard. There will be discouragement from places you didn't know could discourage you. It's a, this is a puzzling verse to me, verse 48. I, I just I turned it upside down, turned it around, went backwards and forwards. It's very puzzling to me. Verse 48 Jesus and his disciples, they're going up to Jerusalem. There are people all around them going with them. It is religious people. They're going to Jerusalem for the Passover. That's the timing of this event. Why are they hollering? Why are they so mean? And look at it. He's calling out, and many rebuked him. They told him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David. Have mercy. Look, when you see your need for Christ and you say it, when you do that, Satan will be against you even more. Not just Satan, though. There'll be some personifications of Satan. If, if you didn't grow up in a Christian home and you, you give your life to Christ or you see your need or you've been coming to church, you're going to have friends that do not understand that. And say all kind of terrible things about you. You may even have family that do not get your stated need for Christ. They're just not, it doesn't make sense. Or people you work with, friends that you, some of your work friends. Let me tell you who the worst at discouraging us is church people. Church people. I mean, I mean all of them. <clears throat> 
Well, I mean, we can all sometimes be discouraging or hurtful or... But it's, it's odd for a new believer to come into the church and, and have church people be hurtful and, and, and deceptive. If that happens, then I just want to call your attention to blind Bartimaeus in verse 48. You do what blind Bartimaeus did in verse 48. He cried out all the more. Don't, don't let the people around Jesus keep you from getting to Jesus. Don't, don't let that be your excuse. I think, I think church hurt is a, is a real thing. It is a real thing, but it cannot be the reason you are not in fellowship with God and His church. It will not stand up when you stand before the Lord and He says, why did you quit? And your answer is going to be, because they were mean to me. Look, I... I don't want to excuse unfriendly church people. I don't want to um, excuse Facebook Christians saying dumb things. But you can't blame the Lord's church for people like that. You do what you do what Bartimaeus is doing. When they cried out, when they told him, be quiet, go sit back down. He cried out all the more. You keep pressing on to Jesus. Okay, so you see you need, cry out, mercy, Son of David had mercy on me. If you persevere, you don't let discouragement stop you. Don't equate people's meanness with the goodness of God in Jesus. Here's the fourth one. Number four. You need to take hold of hope. Take hold of hope. There's some hope here in verse 49. <clears throat> verse 49. It, let me, before I say it, it's, it's one thing. When we call to the Lord, it's something altogether different when He calls us. Look at the change here. So, so He's been calling out, Son of David, have mercy on me, verse 49, and Jesus stopped, and Jesus now calls Him. And then the crowd, and they change their mind a little bit, the crowd uh, says, take heart, cheer up, get up, He's calling you. It's important that you confess. It's, it's, it's important that you see your need. It's important that you call out to God in your need. But the hope is not in your determined call. It's when He calls, that's where the hope is. When He does that in your life. It, it, it's, the, it's not the power of your call to Jesus. It's the power of His call on you. The value is not in Bartimaeus calling for mercy. He could have done that all day long and Jesus walked right by. The value comes in when Jesus calls him. Look, where, and wherever the gospel is preached, wherever you hear the gospel, that is God's call. If you are hearing that, sitting in this room, it is God's call, Christ's calling. What is the gospel? Let me give it shortened form. <clears throat> That God is holy, we are sinners separated from God. It's an absolute terrible problem that we deserve to go to hell for. And that's where we're headed. It's, we're coming to this world just like that. The gospel is that God in His goodness desires to save. And the way He does that, maintaining His justice, He pours the wrath that we deserve out on His Son Jesus in our place on the cross. That's why He dies on the cross. When we 
We take the Lord's Supper. We are remembering Jesus is our substitute. That's what we're doing. God raised him from the dead. There's victory over sin and death. And the promise of the gospel is if you will trust that Jesus did that for you, the promise is you will be saved. And, and, and so now God, in the form of Jesus, Jesus calls out to this blind man, tell him to come here, take hold. Take hold of hope. How do you take hold of hope? Let me, let me see if I can start landing the plane. You ready? How do you take hold? Here's the first way. You respond. If, if you're keeping score, this is number five. You respond to his call. You respond to the call of God when he awakens your heart. Let me show it to you in verse 50. Let me read verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, that's important, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Throwing aside his cloak, it's all he's got. There's one little thing. It's all he has. Cloak he might sit down on the dirt road, maybe spread it out for people to drop alms in his cloak. Sun goes down at night, he'd wrap up in it in the desert when it's cold. That's all he had. And the text says, when Jesus calls, he throws it aside. He sprang up, ran to Jesus. It's a, it's a reckless response for this blind man. It's all he's got. Number one, that's all he's got in his cloak. Number two, he's blind. If you're blind, you don't run real fast anywhere. He jumps up and starts running. Look, this is, this is what happens to the soul that becomes suddenly responsive to the call of Jesus. It, it is this joyous extravagance. I mean, it's all through the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1 starts out, Jesus calls to Simon and Andrew. Mark 1, 18, Simon and Andrew, they leave their nets and follow Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 20, Jesus comes along and he sees James and John. He calls out to James and John. James and John leave a good business and their father and follow Jesus. Jesus calls out to Levi. Mark chapter 1, verse 24, Levi leaves that lucrative tax office and follows Jesus. What is it? What's, what's keeping you? What's keeping you from taking hold? What's, what's prevent, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from coming to the good grace of God found in Jesus? The love of God that awaits you. You, you sense the call of God. What is keeping you? Three more things. What do we do? We respond to Jesus. How? Well, number six, I'll just make, I'll just make them words now. The first one is pray. Pray. That's verse 51. Notice the text. Uh, read it and listen to the question that Jesus asked in verse 51. Jesus said to the blind man, said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, blind man said Rabbi, or it should be Rabboni, Master, let me receive my sight. This question right here sat with me all week long. It's the same thing as James and John. He asked the blind man. Obviously, the man is blind. It's strange that Jesus will ask. God knows what you need before he asks. He still has us ask. Andy Davis, a preacher up in First Baptist Church in Durham, North Carolina, Andy Davis said that most Christians underestimate what Jesus could do for you. 
You underestimate. This question has loomed in my mind all. It has helped me pray this week. And I can hear from the Bible, what do you want me to do for you? And you ought to have 10. When somebody asks you, what can I pray for you about? You got here are 10 things I'm praying for. We would have a whole list if we realized that God can do this. It's interesting here that he asks, having us articulate. Hey, let me just talk, brothers and sisters in Christ, those of you that will take the Lord's Supper today, what do you want him to do for you? Let me ask you, any of you that are you're unsure, uh, just an unsure church goer, Ask him to save you. You pray, God have mercy on me. Pray, and then the second word is, is believe. Isn't that there right, there right there in verse 52? It happens so quickly, we don't even see the miracle. Jesus just declares him healed. Verse 52, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the same way. When you become a Christian, Christ does it so quickly, and he does it through your faith. You believe. What do you believe? God is holy. I am a sinner separated from God with no hope. Jesus Christ lived perfectly, died on the cross in my place. God raised him from the dead. I believe he did that for me. Trust. Believe. Do you believe? Pray, believe. One last one. That is to follow. To follow. Isn't it a picture? Verse 52, when the blind man is healed, isn't it a picture? Verse 52 tells us that Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. This man received his sight, and when he did, he saw Jesus... And wanted nothing more in his life than to follow Jesus. This is the response for everyone that is given eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel. All of the gospels wrapped up in this story. When Christ, when Christ changes you, you follow. Has he changed you? And will you follow him? With that in mind, let's prepare our hearts to concentrate on the Lord, taking the Lord's Supper. Join me now, we pray. Father in heaven, I pray that you would take this word, encourage believers, bring conviction to those that are not Strengthen the hearts of those that are still in darkness to see. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us eyes to see. I pray you would call people even now to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hopefully when you came in this morning, <clears throat> you picked up uh, the elements for the Lord's Supper. There are some parameters that we have here at Hickory Grove as to who should take the Lord's Supper. We believe this is a family meal for those that are 
brothers and sisters in Christ. That means that if you are going to take the Lord's Supper, you should be someone that has already given your life to Jesus. You followed that conversion with baptism. Baptism is a sign that you've joined the fellowship of believers. It's the front door into the church, and this is the family meal of the church. Very few things we would ask people that are not Christians to not participate in. This is the one thing we ask you to observe if you're not a Christian. You have children here that have uh, grown up in this church and have seen the Lord's Supper and want to take the Lord's Supper, but have not yet come to Christ and been baptized. Mom and dad, this is a good time to let them observe and then get a picture of what it's like to be on the outside, and God uses that as a desire for them to come inside. Going home, you can explain the gospel to them. It would be a great time for you as a parent and for them as a child. With that in mind, let's turn our attention to the Lord's Supper. If you have the elements, I'll invite you to open up the top where the wafer is. Do it very gently and pull it out. Maybe set it aside. And then gently open up where the grape juice is. Put that lid aside. Let's call our minds to the Lord's Supper. The Apostle Paul, who was saved by the grace of God, when he reflected on the Lord's Supper and he taught the church at Corinth, this is what he said. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says it in the same way. After supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant, which is given in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Paul will go on to say that every time you drink the cup and eat the bread, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. This is a preached sermon about the, the crucified, resurrected Jesus. I hope that you'll take comfort and be strengthened that Christ died for you. For any of you here that were unable to take the Lord's Supper for, for whatever reason, and you want to talk to a pastor, when church is over, we'll be in the lobby, or you want to come forward when we sing, we'd certainly love for you to do that. If you feel that you're on the outside, we want you on the inside. That comes through putting your faith in Jesus. God has spoken to your heart through all of this this morning. You'd like to come and have someone pray with you. We'll invite you to do so. If you join me now as we pray. <clears throat> Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will be honored, that you will help us. I pray that you would strengthen brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would feel especially loved by you today. We thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus who died in our place, who is our high priest even now. We pray that you strengthen us for the week ahead that you would call people, even this morning, to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.